Celebrate New Year's Eve and ring in 2020 with the perfect view at the Commonwealth Club's premier Embarcadero location. As thousands of spectators watch from below, you'll revel in rooftop views of the famous Embarcadero fireworks, indulgent cuisine, high-end spirits, lively entertainment, and the ultimate New Year's Eve experience. Our New Year's Eve party was ranked in the top 10 parties of San Francisco. So visit our website and reserve your spot today. CommonwealthClub.org Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good evening and welcome to tonight's program hosted by the Commonwealth Club of Silicon Valley. My name is Raj Mathai with NBC Bay Area News. It is my pleasure to introduce tonight and have in conversation tonight uh, with not just a Super Bowl champion and a Pro Bowl football player in the NFL, uh, but a community leader and for many of you in the know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and that is Jerry Rice. Jerry is regarded as the best wide receiver, the best player to play in the NFL uh, by many people. He spent the majority of his career with the 49ers, but also had a great run, including a Super Bowl, with the Oakland Raiders. Jerry has been a Super Bowl MVP, an NFL MVP, and selected to the Pro Bowl 13 times. In 2006, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. In 2010, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And for me personally, it's been interesting growing up here in the Bay Area, I've seen him, like all of you on TV, and just thrilled and mesmerized by the 49ers in the glory days of the 80s and 90s, but also as a sportscaster for NBC, I covered Jerry's career, and then I co-hosted a show with him on NBC. Uh, So I've gotten to know him behind the scenes, and I'll tell you what, he is the genuine real deal, the real article. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jerry Rice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So let's get get the elephant out of the room. Okay. The 49ers dropped nine passes on on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks. Uh, I was watching that. can Can you still suit up? Yeah, I got about 80 catches in me. <laughs> I can I can guarantee you guys one thing, no drops. <laughs> I was I, I was really frustrated last night, you know, to see so many drops though. I've asked you this through the years, but now this got to be really fun for you because the Niners are relevant again, not just in the Bay Area, but across the country, across the world. This is the team a lot of people are talking about. Well, Raj, I said this from day one. I said, this team is going to do something special this year. I even told Stephen A. Smith, I said, look, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just told him that, point blank. <laughs> and, yeah, they're relevant again, and there's an excitement here, and I'm just loving it. When you watch a game, are you in your living room? Are you in your kitchen? Are you screaming? Are you having a mimosa? No, what are you doing nowadays up, when you watch a game? I am up running routes. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. You know, I'm bringing back a lot of memories and all that. But yeah, you know, I watch the game. I, I still uh, support the players, and I want them to do well. And uh, it's, it's you know, it's hard for me though because actually, guys, I played for over 20 years, and I still. I love the game of football, and I would love to get back on that football field again. You know, it was it was my playground. It was something that I really just love 
doing and just entertaining you guys. If you guys walked away from that stadium on, on that given day and you said, wow, we just witnessed something that was special. You know, and then I felt like I had done my job. Okay, serious question now. Could you really, if someone said, if Jed York comes to you and says, we need you, how far away could you be to play? Raj, Raj, what did I just say? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do I have to prove it to you? You want to race? (laughs) We can go to that hill in San Carlos right now. Yeah, the infamous hill. Let's go do it. Uh, day in the life now when you're not dreaming about coming back into the NFL. Uh, you're, you're a busy guy. I know you're yeah. very busy. We're going to talk about this new great book that you just wrote, co-wrote here. Uh, but just a day in the life for what you're doing now because I know you're busy. You know what? It's just that I'm working on my brand. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to stay relevant. Uh, I like to challenge myself. That's why, you know, I wrote a new book. And also I have an energy drink coming out. And guess what's the name of the energy drink is goat fuel fuel. (laughs) but the greatest of all time is not just for athletes it's for what you guys do too in your profession you can be the greatest of all time so i was asked this during the super bowl last year who's the greatest of all time i'm like okay i'm sure they want me to say montana tom brady all of these guys i would never say myself but it was like, okay, and I thought about it, and I, I think I came up with, a, you know, a very good answer because, you know, it's like a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a fireman, you know, there are goats. Exactly. And number 80 in yeah. the NFL. Uh, let's get into your wardrobe because that's always important to me. Okay. Uh, it's not important to me. Actually, it's very important to you because I know as a player, you were meticulous. In fact, you ticked off a lot of trainers of the 49ers. You'd roll in and they would have to try on all these pants because they had to be perfect. Uh, so now what are you rolling with? And really, you have three Super Bowl rings, but what, what ring are you wearing this now? Is, you can show this us. is my Pro Football Hall of Fame ring. The elite of the elites. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, I feel very fortunate because, you know, I, I, I can wake up and I can look in my safe and I'll say, okay, which one I'm going to wear today? <laughs> which is which is pretty cool, you know what I'm saying? But hey, you guys inspired us, you know, to be champions. That That's the most important thing. And if we lost a playoff game or if we didn't get to the playoffs, it was devastation here in the Bay Area. We all went through it together. And the new generation of guys, now it's a little bit different. You know, they lose a game or they lose a playoff game or a Super Bowl. They just, you know, it goes away. But it was just something I I could never forget. You know, it would stay with me till the next season. It was hard. It was frustrating. There's that phrase, stop and smell the roses. I don't think you ever did for a long time. I, I, I couldn't do that. And, and I had a coach to tell me that. He said, you know what? You need to, you need to smell the roses. You know, you know, I had blinders on, guys. When I was on the football field, I wanted everything to be perfect. The way I ran my routes, the way I caught the football, uh, if I scored a touchdown, I wanted to look uh, professional. Uh, I remember... Uh, my first season, trying to be a little creative, I decided to dance a little bit. 
I looked at myself on film, and I said, you what? You know what? You look so stupid. <laughs> just hand the ball back to the official and, and, and just be a professional. You talk about that drive to succeed, and that's in anything, and now in all of our careers and all of our walks of life. What price did you pay, though? Because that's a steep price. That's a steep thing that you did. That You, you didn't take a vacation, I don't now, think, what, during your playing years at all. Well, because I, I felt I owed it to you guys to always – be at my best when I was on the football field. If you guys paid your hard-earned money, I wanted you know, you to see something exceptional on that given day. So you have to sacrifice. And you know, for first first five years or something like that, I was just working on my craft. I I wanted to be well, I, I didn't just want to be one of the greatest football players. Uh, to play the game, and and I, you know, it's kind of hard carrying this head around at times. <laughs> but U.S. T- uh, today, they voted me in the hundred years. Think about this, number one. That's crazy. And I remember, hey, Raj, I remember this. I, I, Dwight Clark, he told me, he said, you know what? You're going to be number one one day. And wow. Yeah. I'm number one. And, and it's interesting because how I've known you behind the scenes, you are not that guy. You don't no. celebrate. You don't talk about yourself. You always talk about your team. And it's interesting. Finally, now it's like, you know what? That, that's where you are in history. That, that's how you're regarded as the greatest of all time. And, and, so. and the second, you know, I got word of that um, – announcement and stuff like that, I pointed up to the sky, to Dwight Clark, because I remember when I first came in, guys, this guy took me under his wing. And he knew I was coming in uh, to take a, take a job, even Freddie Solomon. But, you know, it was a tradition for the San Francisco 49ers to pass that torch on. And I remember Dwight working with me, uh, uh, route running, doing – what I had to do on the football field, but also I would watch him uh, off the football field because you can't just, you know, be a professional on the football field. Then you you someone else off the football field. It's the way you conduct yourself. It's the way you represent uh, the team. And uh, and just watching those guys, it was fantastic. That is pretty incredible. Yeah. Let's talk about this book. Uh, so you're handing out at home, and, and Randy Williams, the co-author, yeah, calls he, you up and says, uh, Jerry, let's do a book. And your response is? Yeah, he called me up and said, hey, let's do a book. I told him no. <laughs> I said, we just did uh, 50 Years, 50 Moments. That was the bestseller. You know, I'm, I'm good. But then he challenged me. And he said, okay. I, I, I said, okay, let's do it. And that's how we came up with America's uh, Game the NFL at 100. But I feel this book is very educational, and we got great coaches, uh, you know, Vince uh, Lombardi, uh, Johnny Unitas, you know, the integration of blacks uh, into the NFL, uh, the Great Depression, uh, World War II. So it's a very educational book. In fact, I read it, and, and it just feels like it's almost like a textbook, but not in a boring way, but it's almost like you can refer back to this book and learn about the NFL. And 
in my career, I've, I've known so much about the NFL. I worked for the NFL for five years, and I'm reading this book, and there's so many things that opened my eyes. It was fascinating. I didn't know the early parts uh, of, of the NFL, or, or football, not even the NFL. The late 1800s, it was a college game, yeah. and it was so yeah. violent that in the early 1900s, President Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, had to step in and say, we're banning football unless you shape up here and make this a safer sport. Those are some fascinating yeah. – it's amazing research in this book. And, and Randy Williams, you know, what he did is it, it, unbelievable because my job is, you know, it's like when you write in a book, yeah, you know, there's going to be some quotes about you and, uh, you know, we're going to have to sit down and talk. But, you know, reaching out to people – uh, you know, getting the info and stuff like that. But, you know, he did a fantastic job, you know, just uh, putting all that together. From the book, we quote, fractured skulls, yeah. necks, internal bleeding led to public outcry to allow the sport. This was in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. I'm looking at that. And now in 2019, there is also some of that in terms of the head injury well, and the public outcry and the NFL is changing the way. Are they changing enough? I think they are. You know, I think players are more protected now than when I played. Uh, when I played, uh, you know, you had guys, if the ball was not even coming your way, you were being hit on the backside. You know, it was very physical. You had to fight downfield, uh, you know, to, uh, to make plays, also make catches. But that was something that I loved doing. I, football to me was is like a gladiator sport. That's that's what it's all about. When those helmets uh, collided on Monday Night Football, that was it. It was time. It was time to do battle. Now now it's a little bit different. You know, you they protect the quarterbacks. Uh, you can't deliver a blow uh, upside the head or anything like that. So. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job. How much did you learn about the game writing this book uh, in terms of, I think back in the day it was three downs, not even four downs. Uh, touchdowns were four points, not six points. I mean, there's a lot of growth here in the Yeah, league. you know what, but I think I only need, needed just one down. That was it. <laughs> That's all. Hey, you remember Joe? Hey, this is what Joe told me. Joe said, look, you added like five more years onto my career. Sure he did. Because sure Joe did. knew he could uh, drop back three steps, get rid of the ball, uh, and I could go 95 yards or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. You bring up Joe Montana, and around here and around the country, he's so celebrated. Um, we know he was cool in the huddle, but what's something that he did in the huddle that, that just still stands out to you in, in terms of leadership or just something fun he used to do? No, Joe was, Joe was a prankster. I mean, you know, he would put, like, Tiger Bomb and jocks and all that stuff. <laughs> Think about that sensation on the football field. <laughs> so he, he was just that, you know, he was just that, that type of guy, but... His composure and, and, you know, his energy, it was so positive. If we had time on the clock, we knew that we could uh, move the ball downfield and win the football game. That's just like Super Bowl twenty three, with about three minutes, ten seconds left in the game, guys. We got the greatest quarterback ever. We just have to execute and, uh, and move the ball downfield and win that Super Bowl. And that was against the Cincinnati Bengals the second time the Niners played the Bengals. And you came down, and, and that was the drive. You marched down the field and won that game. Yeah, but people don't realize, too, during the season, we played them also during the season. And, and uh, we won right at the end with a Hail Mary. And I remember Bill Walsh 
he was so excited. He was like a little kid. He was skipping off the field. <laughs> Eddie DeBarlo already had went to the locker room. He was he was ready to chew us out. And and, and Eddie was that twelfth man, and, and he could be really mean, guys. I'm serious. That's a different kind of twelfth yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so he had went to the locker room, and and I remember Joe threw the ball up, and I went up and attacked the football in midair, and uh, we won that game. In the last seconds, and it was just, it was just exciting. You compare now as as your career went on from Joe Montana to Steve Young. You're dealing with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks here. What was the difference, the demeanor on the sidelines and team I meetings? Made, I made, I huddle? made both those guys look good. I could get mean, Steve on the line right now. You know, yeah, call him up, call him up. <laughs> But Steve, Steve had a different, you know, because Steve was a lefty, the spin on the ball, it was different. And also, Steve was a running quarterback. So he was hurting my percentages. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm like, okay, Steve, we got to have a talk. We got to have a talk. I need you to stay in the pocket and just throw the ball downfield. That's all you got to do. <laughs> but, you know, he, he uh, eventually he had the highest uh, passer rating. He became more of a pocket passer, so he worked on his craft, and and uh, I think I scored with Steve like over eighty touchdowns or more. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was all because of practice, repetition, stuff like that, and 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 that was something that we did uh, after practice, just getting on the same page. It was important, and. It was the same chemistry that I had with Joe. I, I could look at Joe because as a receiver, you got to come to the line of scrimmage. You have to read the defense just like the quarterback. You got to know exactly what's happening on the football field. I know if it's man, I know if it's his zone. If you cover me one on one, there's no way you're going to cover me one on one. You already defeated. <laughs> and I knew that Joe was going to deliver the football or Steve was going to deliver the football. Yeah. So you, they have to identify you're on one-on-one, and you have to identify it, and then yeah. you know where you're yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. And if they didn't throw me the ball, I would give them that look. <laughs> What's yeah. that look like? That, that? And they knew they had to give me the football. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking, guys. <laughs> Uh, let's nerd out a little bit here. What's your favorite play call? What's the call? You know, is it X4TI slash my, my, the call? My favorite play was uh, uh, 24 Razor. Razor, that means that I'm going to the post. It's man to man. And when I run this route, guys, it's just like doing a dance. I, I, I have done this over and over during practice. I know that the defensive back is, pay, uh, is playing me one on one. I want to get as close as possible to that defensive back before I go to the post. I want to hear his heartbeat. I want to get that close because I know if I get that close, once I go to the post, he can't recover. So that was something that we always worked on. And your quarterbacks can see it. Yes. Yeah, he knows. Joe threw an MC because I, I remember a lot of plays. I broke Jim Brown's record. Monday Night Football at Candlestick Park. The first touchdown, it was a post. Steve Young was the quarterback. You know, during Super Bowl 24, Joe threw me uh, a post, corner post for a touchdown. Hmm. So all of those plays, I, you know, I, I remember those plays just like it was yesterday. 
In the book, you talk about your, you write about your routine and how meticulous you were. And that I know uniform, you said, that uniform had to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, game day. I feel you have to dress a certain way to play well. Uh, my shoes had to be brand new shoes. I had to have nice white socks. The pants now. Here's the pants. I might go through like maybe four or five pair of pants. You know, with the trainers, they all knew, you know, but they had bets going on. You know, they, you know, <laughs> the trainers got bets going on. And uh, it's like I would try on the pants and, and do all that. And uh, then the one that I felt comfortable in, I would go with that one. But I, I just felt you had to look a certain way to play well. And your weight's not 192 pounds, but 190. Well, well, if I, well, if I was, if, if my weight is... If I wanted to play at 190, if I go to the stadium early and I'm 192, I'm going to jump on the bike or the Stairmaster and get down to my weight. My teammates would come to the stadium. They look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what, what is Jerry doing? He's already sweating. <laughs> but I, it was just something that I, I needed to do. I never could eat on game day. Could never do that. So say there's a Monday Night Football 6 p.m. kickoff back in the day. I, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, the Super Bowl, I couldn't do it. Because I wanted, I wanted to be at my best. I wanted to be hungry. That was important. It, it, everything, everything was important to me because, well, just, just say this. It meant something to me every time I stepped on the football field. I never took it for granted or anything like that. I wanted to win. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it, it was tough when we lost. So. so you were doing intermittent fasting before it was such a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I would go to the stadium. I would just, you know, just work those extra pounds off to get down to my weight. I, I, one of the chapters that stood out to me here, and I think uh, in the book, and just aside from the book, too, is just the race relations and what the NFL has gone through oh, yeah. and, and continues to go through. Um, you came up when there was black quarterbacks intermittently, but really it was, uh, as the book says, seemingly off limits for decades to have a black quarterback. And really Doug Williams became that guy to, to shatter it in the early 1980s to win a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, you had black quarterbacks, but they would get converted over to, uh, being a receiver or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's much better today. Um, but, at that point, if I can jump in here, did that tick you off? Did that upset you, or was that just kind of the way it was? I think it was just the way it was. I I was born in Mississippi, guys. You know, there's there's a lot of racism in Mississippi, and, and and that was something my parents always told me, like, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. So I didn't use that as an excuse. You know, when I stepped on the football field and stuff like that, I was gonna bring you my best. And that's all I could do. You know, if, if I practice a certain way and I perform a certain way and, uh, and if, if you, uh, you had something against that, you know, that's your problem. But I was going to leave everything on the field and stuff like that. So I didn't use that, you know, as an excuse or anything. Pretty amazing just to see nowadays. We saw on Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah, this is, I, I wish it, I was it, on the field. I would have hit him. I would tackle him. <laughs> He can't. He can't be just running around the <laughs> running around the stadium like that, you know. 
Did you guys did you guys see that towards the end? He's a good quarterback though. And I I had the opportunity. I was in Arizona. They were getting ready to uh play the Cardinals and Larry Fitzgerald, you know, he uh he just uh surpassed uh, Tony Gonzalez to get into that number two slot. You know, he's right behind me. I know exactly where he's at right now. <laughs> you know, I, believe me, I, you know, yeah, I'm looking over my shoulders just a little bit. But, but you, you know, doing warm-ups, and Raj, this is, this is funny because Russell Wilson and, and his uh, receivers, you know, they were out warming up and stuff like that. And I said, hmm, I think I want to catch a ball from Russell Wilson. I'm in a suit, tennis shoes. And I started running routes. And he's looking at me like, how can you still do that? <laughs> 20 years, and I'm talking about, I'm, 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 I'm I, I, full bore. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. And I'm catching the ball, and I'm running to the end zone and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a nice moment because we got a chance to connect just a little bit because I wanted – uh, I had always wanted to catch a ball from him, and I think he had always wanted to throw me a football. So it, it was perfect. Well, if, yeah, yeah. If you get what you asked for, you'll be back in the league, so you'll be good. <laughs> uh, just a couple hours ago, actually, uh, I saw that uh, Colin Kaepernick saying that he uh, will have a workout in a few days, and all NFL teams are invited. Will NFL teams go to watch? I think it's in Atlanta, game? right? It's in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what do you I think? You think a couple else. teams will go? All of them, or, or none of them? I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, I think Colin Cap, uh, no, Colin Kaepernick. I think he'd been offered a couple jobs as a backup, but he doesn't want to be a backup. And you know, he did great things here with uh, Jim Harbaugh. But, you know, towards the uh, the latter part of his career, he started to taper off. So maybe that was that that was what he left, you know, and, and I think, you know, hopefully he can get another opportunity. Let's talk about the business of the NFL. And you are all businessmen and businesswomen yeah. that work for the league. And in the Bay Area, around the country, we're talking about relocation of franchises. You were also a very proud member of the Oakland Raiders. You yeah. helped lead that team to the Super Bowl. Is it painstaking? Does it break your heart to see the Raiders leave such a great it. community? I, I, I like hated Oakland? it. You know, what it's going to do to that community. Uh, I think with Las Vegas, they offered so much money. But still, it's like these owners are making so much money, guys. It's crazy. I mean, ticket prices done gone up and everything, and, and I just felt really bad for that uh, that city. I'm a former Chargers employee. It, it rips my heart out to see the Chargers leave San Diego. And in L.A., no one really cares about them. So, so you've lost there, the there whole are so fan many, base. There are so many teams in L.A. You know, you, you got the Lakers. You got the Clippers. Uh, you got the Rams, Chargers, all of that. And... And it's just going to be empty over there in Oakland, guys, when you think about it. You know, no football. There's not going to be a football team over there. How special was Al Davis? Because he brought you over, and that was a monumental decision for Jerry Rice, the 49ers legend, to cross the bay and go over to Oakland and play for the Raiders. Yeah, I, you know, guys, I, I, I never wanted to leave San Francisco. I'm going to be honest with you guys. But I still had football in me, and I still loved it. And... 
And I decided to go to Oakland and John Gruden, he said, well, well, Jerry, do you want to come to Oakland, uh, you know, and catch like 80 balls or something like that? And I went to Oakland, had a great season and went back to the Pro Bowl that year. And we had the opportunity also to go to a Super Bowl. It was just unfortunate that John Gruden, Al Davis got rid of him and sent him to Tampa Bay. John Gruden knew everything about uh the Oakland Raiders. He knew all. So, did, I mean, we yeah. hear about the reports, and I was at the game too. Did, did they know the routes you're running before you ran it? Yeah, pretty much. But but hey, hey, think about this, guys. We had a game plan. We had two of the best running backs. We were going to pound that football. They they didn't have an answer for that running game, but we didn't know that our starting center would be found in Mexico <laughs> on a in a ditch. Think about this. Okay, you wake up the next day and and you got all of this going going on. Uh, now you got the second string uh, center, which he didn't get that many reps during the week. So we had to completely change our game plan. And like I said, John Gruden knew everything about Rich Gannon, his tendency. And I remember John Lynch, uh, you know, after going back, watching the film, it took me a while to go back and watch that film, guys. <laughs> you know, because we lost that Super Bowl. I was so accustomed to winning Super Bowls. But I think by losing that Super Bowl, it taught me more than winning. You know, because now you still have to be a professional. You have to deal with family members. You got to still deal with the media and all that. And I remember after losing that game, I went back to my room and I sat right on the bed and I cried like a baby because I, I wanted to win a Super Bowl for Tim Brown, you know, because Tim and I, we had such a great relationship and uh, we came up short. But still, it just taught me that you still have to have to be a professional, even when, you know, when you don't win. I never knew that. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Learn about our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for any of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at CommonwealthClub.org. Now back to our program. We have a lot of questions from the audience, so remember, keep them coming here. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, really interesting. Nature or nurture? The eternal question. In your opinion, what portion of your success was genetic and what portion was devotional, your hard work? I, I think um, every, all of it was hard work. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I, I was not the most gifted athlete, guys. You, you know, you look at uh, Randy Moss. Uh, you look at all these, uh, you know, Calvin Johnson. I mean, these guys are like six five. Uh, you know, they run like a four two. Uh, they could out jump anyone. I had to work for everything, and that 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 really I think separated me because I had the work ethic, and I was going to put the time in. So you know, just working on my craft and and uh, trying to make myself a better uh, receiver. Yeah, but and yeah, and for those I, you, I was not the most talented. No. And for those of you who don't know. Jerry didn't go to Notre Dame or Alabama or USC. No. It was Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley, yeah. 
and, yeah. and, and how did Bill Walsh find you? He didn't go out to look for you. Now, Bill Walsh, they were in New Orleans to play the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, normally they get in that Friday. So he was flicking the channel and he noticed me running across the television. We had played a game that Saturday. And he said, God, you know, just running away from people, catching the ball, you know, not letting the ball get into my body or anything like that, using my hands and doing all that. So he goes back to his scouting department and say, hey, we need to look at that guy, Jerry Rice, at Mississippi Valley State University. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, they did their research. Uh, then what happened during the draft, because I, I remember, Raj, I was in Mississippi with my brother. His wife, my brother, his wife, and one camera guy. And that was it. That was, that was it. There, there was nobody else there. It was like a three-bedroom apartment. And uh, and San Francisco traded with the New England Patriots. Traded to get down up to get you. To that 16th spot. And I get the call from the greatest coach ever. He said, we're going to make you that 16th player to, uh, in the draft. And I said, Oh my God, you know, I, I get a chance to meet the legend, Joe Montana, uh, Eddie DeBartolo, all, you know, all the great players, you know, Dwight Clark, all these great guys. So that's how it, all of that went down. And, and I still, it's all like, I still have to pinch myself today because I, I got the opportunity to really live a dream, you know, because I was one of those guys that felt like I, I, I never really looked that far down the road because I knew the most important thing for me was education because, you know, a lot of players don't get the opportunity to play in the NFL. So you got to get your education and, and I prepared the right way. And then I got a chance to uh, live a dream by playing, you know, for the greatest city ever, San Francisco. You got a great enthusiasm for the game. You yeah, still do. Yeah. This is from, um, I believe, Coleman and Cupertino. What do you think about kids spending a lot of time in sports training, but only a certain percentage of the time, or only a certain percentage of kids that actually turn pro? Should kids spend more time in other activities that help a college Well, that, that's something I did for the NCAA. I, you know, I, I did a commercial for them, and, and I said a, a lot of uh, players not going to get a chance to play professional football. They're not going to be able to put on uh, a gold jacket. So you have to prepare the right way. You know, get your education. That's the most important thing. And also with kids now, what the NFL is trying to do is get kids out so they can be active for two hours. Get them away from, uh, you know, the computer or, you know, whatever they're playing with. Get them outside so they can be active. It's interesting now. I have a 10 year old son and you see all the parents in the Bay Area across the country coaching him up, sending him to all these club teams, baseball, soccer, football, basketball, whatever. There's so much intensity around sports for youths. Well, just because to, just to get into college. Well, well, Raj, the thing is, uh, I think a lot of parents try to live their dream through their kids. And, and, and the majority of the time when you do that, it doesn't work out. So, you know, I, I see it all the time. And when my son, when my, when my son played football, I was just a fan. You know, I would go and support him and just watch him and, and, and just root him on. Now, if he asked me, 
hey, dad, you know, because he, he played receiver also. Hey, look, what, what, what do you think about this route? Maybe I should have ran it this way or something like that. Yeah. That's when I, you know, would become a coach. But the majority of the time, I'm just there as a parent, you know, just to support him. Yeah. From uh, Christine and Mark from Boston. And you might have answered this, but maybe yeah. not. Hardest professional moment, and how did you rebound? When I tore my ACL, MCL, and trying to bounce back from that, and I still, I still haven't gotten an apology from Warren Sapp. That was in Tampa Bay, <laughs> opening, opening yeah. day of the season, I believe, yeah. right? And on a reverse play, you know, he grabbed my face mask and, and he pulled me backward, backwards, and I could watch my knee just give way. But guys, you, you got to think about this, you know, I, I pretty much felt like I was invincible. The way I trained, the way I got ready for the season and stuff like that. But now all of a sudden I'm, I'm still, I'm dealing with, uh, some adversity. It's how you respond. And, uh, I fought my way back and, and I, I think I remember Joe, I think Joe was getting his jersey retired and, and I picked that game to come back. That's the game I, I picked back out of respect to him, not, to take some some of the the uh, you know attention away from him, but I just felt like I, I I wanted to come back during that game just because of Joe and what we had accomplished. Speaking of your accomplishments, you played for Bill Walsh. There's also some amazing coaches out there. Obviously, Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, yeah, uh, John Gruden across the bay. What other coach would you have liked to play for that you didn't play for? The history of the NFL. Who would you like to play for? Uh, Vince Lombardi. I, I, what would that have felt like uh, to play for him? And, and I, I believe Bill Walsh is one of the greatest coaches ever to uh, coach. But he was not only a coach to me, he was like a father to me because he gave me the opportunity to live a dream. And I, I would have ran through a brick wall for that guy. Because to have the opportunity to come here to San Francisco, like I said, and play for, you know, the greatest fans, uh, the greatest owner, I mean, the legacy, you know, it's just something I'll never forget. Is it hard for the current ownership, and that's the York family, to live up to yeah. what Eddie D did? Because it's almost like an unfair yes. comparison. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's hard for him. It's, it's, it's really difficult because we were all about family. I mean, it was like it was like live and die together. And in the new generation of guys, I, I don't know if they have the same commitment that we had. The way we practice every day, if you came to a practice, it was like a game situation, guys. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, we ran from from group to group and stuff like that. If you didn't do your job, you would have a veteran to pull you aside and say, hey, look, we have a tradition here. And if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to abide by that or you're not going to, you know, work hard, you're not going to be here. I mean, the coaches didn't have to do that. We had the leader. We we had the leadership, everything intact. uh, And and I was not one of those guys that was going to stand up and just rah, rah, rah. You had to lead by example. The way you practice every day. I never took a day where it was like just for granted. I wanted to learn something every day. 
I stepped on that, uh, onto that football field. And I, I think Bill Walsh, he knew that he had the players to do that. Ronnie Lott the same way on the defensive side of the ball? Oh, you, you Ronnie, Ronnie was like, he, <laughs> you remember Ronnie, Ronnie cut his finger off. You guys remember that? Yeah. Yes, he did. Ronnie did not, well, well he would have missed like maybe a couple games or something like that. And he said, just cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. Yes. Yeah. He just cut it off. And he was right back on the football field. <laughs> but, hey, I'm going to tell you guys something about running. I mean, Ronnie Lott. When Ronnie Lott hit Icky Woods in Super Bowl 23, yep. and Ronnie was the type of, of, of uh, defensive back, there's a certain sound. And when he uh, – so we sitting over there and as an offensive team, you know, we in a huddle and stuff like that. We heard this sound, and someone said, Ronnie just hit Icky Woods. <laughs> After Ronnie hit Icky Woods, he was done. Yeah. No, he didn't want to run the football anymore, but, you know, Ronnie was just that type of player. He still is now. I see him in the community. He's just very intense. He looks at you. you yeah, know, like, oh I, I just God. don't think he could even play now. Ronnie would get fined so much. <laughs> You can, can you see Ronnie Lott playing football right now, guys? <laughs> From the audience, we're getting great questions, by the way. What do you think of uh, Antonio Brown? He is the wide receiver that the Raiders let go of, the Patriots let go of. He is currently unemployed, and there is some talk maybe the Niners could sign. Well, now, I mean, Antonio Brown gave me the Denzel Washington. He he won he won an Oscar because. And, <laughs> Antonio Brown got in touch with me. He said, hey, look, you know, I want to play for the San Francisco 49ers. And so I go to Kyle Shanahan, go to John Lynch and say, hey, look, man, Antonio Brown really wants to come here and play and stuff like that. And could you tell us when this was, the last offseason? Yeah, 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 during the offseason. So he reached out, he contacted me, and then he ended up going to Oakland. But the entire time, I think he wanted to go to the Patriots. See, from day one, he wanted to go to the Patriots, and he, he also he asked uh, the Steelers uh, to trade him there, but it's no way they were going to trade him to a rival. So he had to go a different route. So he, you know, he said he wanted to come to the Bay Area, then ended up with Oakland. Then all of a sudden there was the helmet situation and stuff like that. He didn't want to play. What, what was the conversation? He reaches out to you, hey, Jerry, it's Antonio. I want to come to the Niners. Yeah. And then what did you tell uh, Kyle and John Lynch that he's uh, interested in uh, you know playing for San Francisco 49ers but it was up to them you know to make that decision and I'm so glad they didn't make that decision <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you ever want to call them and just say look no, you got no, a lot no, of no, you no, got no, a lot no, of talent no, no, you no, need no. to no hey that was uh, through social media then I had his phone number all of that stuff is gone I no I I I, I do not want any anything to do with that. I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. <laughs> From the audience, which current NFL wide receiver do you feel best mimics your style of play? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I, I I love Larry. His work ethic. Larry uh, invited me up to Minnesota to work with him a couple years back, 
and his regiment is just is just it's unreal, guys. Same as like you know when I first came here because Roger Craig turned me on to the infamous hill, about two and a half miles up. Then you had to run down the hill and stuff like that. And a lot of the guys came and tried to conquer the hill and they couldn't do it. So I'm thinking if Raj would, you know, run the hill with me, I would probably have to have the paramedics and everything there just in case. That'd be a good story for NBC. Yeah. Uh, from the audience, who is the greatest unsung hero that you ever played with? 49ers, Raiders, whoever. John Taylor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, John, guys, John Taylor could have went anywhere and really been the guy. Here's a guy that could dunk a basketball with ease, that could do a standing backflip like nothing, didn't stretch or anything, and just, just could come out, put on that uniform, and just run. John Taylor. So it's like uh, we had great chemistry. If you doubled me, uh, he was going to just, you know, he was going to tear you up on, on the opposite side, one-on-one. So then you had Brent Jones. So we all complimented each other because, you know, we work together as a team. And that's just like, you know, say the receivers are working together uh, to make blocks downfield, then to open up holes also for the running backs. So we had we had a team that just worked together as one. It was just like one heartbeat. And that was it. Let's catch up back to the to, to the present day now. Uh, losing that game to the Seahawks on Monday night, the 49ers, uh, did they learn from that? And how deep will this team go? Seriously here. With the injuries that they're facing. I, I think the most important thing is for them to make corrections right now, to get healthy. Uh, the receivers got to realize that they, if, they have to catch everything. If the ball touches their hands, you should make the catch. That, that's the bottom line. And, and and Bill Walsh was that type of coach. How do you, how do you, how do you coach that no, no, right now? No, no. You... If you dropped a lot of balls, it was no way you were going to be a Niner. He would tell you. He said, you keep dropping balls, you're going to be on that next bus out of here. <laughs> and, you know, there's a new generation of guys. Now, I don't, I don't think guys, uh, coaches can really coach that way anymore. You know, that's just like with uh, John Gruden when he first came back on board. We got, we talking about Chucky. We're talking about the little doll, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> With the frown on his face and all of that, you know. But, you know, it's a different generation of guys. Now, you can't coach them that way. But, yeah, you know, they just got to realize that they can't make mistakes like that. But it was okay for them to lose the game. Now they don't have to worry about going undefeated. You see what I'm saying? So now they can refocus. They can iron out the little things and, and just get better. Is a is a painful loss like that good for the locker room in terms of how you respond yeah yes without a doubt yeah it brings everything back into perspective and and now the guys realize that they're going to have to work a little bit harder and they're going to have to execute better even on defense you know we had opportunities on defense also we you you need to get to a quarterback like a russell wilson and and cause havoc uh, and uh, and I'm sure, you know, they went back and they were very critical on themselves, and that's how you make yourself better. I, and, and, Rush, this was something I always did, guys. I looked at every ball game. If I had a game where I had over 10 catches, 12 catches, over 200-something yards, three touchdowns, I still looked at that game, and I was very critical. 
you know, maybe I, I, I could have been in position to make that block for Roger Craig. You know, or, you know, John, Ta- you know, John Taylor or something like that. So that's how you get better, you know. You see now, uh, is there some of that magic back from kind of the candlestick 49er spirit that we finally saw at Levi's? Because it really hasn't been in the six years of Levi's days. I, I think what, you know, what Kyle Shanahan and also John Lynch, what they were trying to do, they were trying to get that, that structure back. Uh, you know, you can tell just being around the facility. You can tell just being around there. You know, there's a, that's the way you have to conduct yourself. Yeah. And, and, and for years, I didn't see that, you know, with the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, you know, this team is having so much fun, guys. Do you guys see the celebration, you know, when they score? We couldn't do that back in the day. <laughs> no, you got a flag or something like that. And, and Bill, Bill was all up in your grill. <laughs> So we couldn't do that back in the day, but now they can, you know, they can celebrate and have a good time and, 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 and do whatever. You know, you guys remember, uh, Terrell Owens. <laughs> yeah, with the Sharpie. <laughs> and the popcorn. My thing, how did he know he was going to score? <laughs> he had a Sharpie in, in his sock. <laughs> we saw it. Yeah, he signed the ball. Wow. You, you really got to know that you got to have confidence, confidence to do that. What would you do now? If you were still playing, you score a touchdown, how would you celebrate? Or would you still do it how you always did? No, I, I would still do it the old way. Just hand the official the ball. And believe me, I scored 208. <laughs> <laughs> I had many opportunities to do one. <laughs> I would have been all danced out. <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked you this all the years I've known you. How did you guys police in the locker room and on the practice field Deion Sanders when he came in here? Because he was, he was all about having fun. Well, now why do we, we, why do you want to bring Deion's <laughs> name up? Now, you know, Deion was like that missing piece that we needed. But uh, Deion brought a lot of baggage with him. <laughs> and, uh, but he came over then he realized the standard how we practice he was like he at first he was he was like man he said you guys really practice hard <laughs> i said we do this every day and it was it was game situation every day and you know he bought into it and and he became one of uh uh one of those uh shut down corners for us i had never seen a guy could run so fast I, it, it was just amazing, and and uh, you know, so he worked on his technique, got better, and we were able to go back to the Super Bowl and win it. Nowadays, I know you golf when you're not uh, working and doing public appearances. What else do you do, or is that it? Golf, 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 golf right now. You know, man, that's it's too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you keep doing it? You got just a little stationary ball right in front of you, and you can't you can't hit that ball where you want it to go. So it's frustrating to me, you know, you know, as a as an as an athlete and someone that have been able to conquer so much. And there's a golf ball right in front of you that you can't get it to go where you want it to go. So the the best thing for that, when, when something like that happens, Raj, you just don't play as much. <laughs> 
So what do you do? Huh? What do you do I, in I your don't, spare time? I, I don't play as much. <laughs> I got a book and I got a new energy drink and all of that stuff. So I'm working. I, I have a I have a job. <laughs> The G-O-A-T has a J-O-B. <laughs> uh, remind me now of this drink. It says, this is not a plug. I actually want to know the name again. It's Goat it's Fuel. It's Goat Fuel. Okay, hey guys. Okay. When's it coming out, yeah, come out and what's it, it taste like? In about two weeks. And you can go to GoatOfficial.com. I have, I have four drinks. You have Tropical Berry. You have uh, Blueberry uh, Lemonade. <laughs> you got this one called Pink Candy. Then you got uh, Peach Pineapple. <laughs> And and, 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 yeah, the thing that's going to separate me from the other drinks, we noticed that these goats in the Himalayas, they were eating these things coming out of the ground. It was mushrooms. Cordyceps mushrooms. That's it. That's the secret. It's going to give you that high. Now, these aren't magic mushrooms. These are regular yeah, yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I make sure I got kids at home. No, 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 no. Now, you know, hey, look, I, I played for 20 years. I watched everything that went in my body. This is something that's healthy. Uh, there's, uh, you know, no preserve, uh, uh, preservatives, uh, zero calories, all of that. So... It's good for you. Okay, goat fuel. One last question before we wrap it up, and thanks for everyone's questions, by the way. Well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Wrap it up? (laughs) Are we we, done? We got. We were a couple more minutes. That's it. You want to go till midnight? Should we go till midnight? I'm. I'm (laughs) You. You. You haven't asked me anything about dancing with the stars or anything. (laughs) We got. We still got to go. Hey, look. I have nowhere to go. Okay. No, no. I'm just joking. No, no, I'm just joking. I can get Jed York on a conference call. We can talk about re-signing you. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Why are you messing with me? You know, you know, you're messing with me right now. One last Cause, question. Because, hey, to run back on that football field, guys, for me, <laughs> it would be like a dream come true. I'm going I'm to be honest with you guys. And uh, Steve Young, I think it was the Monday night game. What, what, what game was that? And we were just throwing the ball around just a little bit. And everything just came back in rhythm. I mean, the toe tap on the sideline. And guys... I don't know why they're making such a big deal out of these guys, you know, being able to uh, do the toe tap and make a catch. We've been doing it the entire time, forever. (laughs) That was something that we did all the time, you know, even during practice and stuff like that. Now, now you see this, this all, you know, get all blown out of proportion and stuff like that. But yeah, we're throwing the ball around, just having a good time. And it's just like, you know, just like the Kentucky Derby, these horses they know when it's time to time to race. <laughs> Monday night, my body knew there was a big game coming up. You just can't turn that off. You just can't do it. Oh, I think she's coming to get us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Okay. From the audience, went to see uh, Katie Sowers. Um, 
the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. How do you feel about female coaches in the NFL? Why not? There, there's an assistant, and will this be a trend? Why not? I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you eventually you might, you know, there are some, I uh, think, female uh, kickers that can really kick the ball. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. From the audience. Hey. Yes. Female president. Hey, hey, what's wrong with that? Female president. A female president. We'll yeah. be voting next year. Yep. From the audience, do you think high-profile athletes have responsibilities to stand up for people of color? Why or why not? I think they have the right to stand up for everybody. I, I remember I, I remember when Charles Barkley said that, you know, uh, don't look at me as a role model. I, I look at myself, you know, for little kids as a role model, you know, and I have to uh, present myself a certain way and conduct myself a certain way. So, yeah. You got a heart, Jerry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Thanks for your time. Is that it? That's it. A- Two more questions. Okay, two. All right. right. Uh, When you talk to these guys, when you're talking to Ronnie or Steve or Roger Craig nowadays, what's the conversation like? Away from all of us, away from the TV cameras, you guys are hanging out. Maybe it's at Eddie D's ranch or you're out to dinner somewhere. What what do you guys talk about now? Just family. That's what it's all about, man. I mean, you know, being able to, uh, and and I, I remember my brother Tom, he told me, Way back in the day, because my, my brother Tom played center for the Jackson State uh, University at Jackson State University. And after he didn't get drafted, he says on you <laughs> to make life better, you know, for our family. And, you know, as, as a little kid, you know, going to Mississippi Valley State University and for your brother to tell you something like that and you have all that weight on your shoulders. And you're still able to, you know, welcome that, you know, and and it just made me work harder because I wanted to make life better for my family. So that's something that we talk about all the time. And, you know, just putting your kids in a position where they can win and be successful. That's more more gratifying than anything. Dwight Clark died a year ago, brought you guys all together. Was the silver lining in that, that is that you um, spent time together? That, that was the most tough um, well, that was the most tough that was a tough time for me. I mean, because I had watched this guy and Dwight started the dynasty. When he made that catch, and and and, and Dwight used to always, you know, joke around with Joe because you know, he would tell Joe that they call it the catch, not the throw. <laughs> <laughs> so they they would go back and forth, you know, at each other and stuff like that. And I'm like, Joe, okay, I'm looking at that play, and I'm saying, Joe threw that ball away. <laughs> and and I, I I would always say this, and 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 I, and I really don't want to upset anybody because you know don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> Dwight went up and made that catch. I said, "My God, boy, white guys can do." 
I mean, Rod. He got up there. He got up there and grabbed that ball, and that was it. I was, oh my God. <laughs> and I remember, I, you know, I remember watching that, and I was at Mississippi Valley State University and stuff like that, and I, and I never thought I'd get the chance to. Uh, to play alongside that guy. That's pretty incredible. And it, it was like, man, it was like a dream come true. It, <laughs> really. Eddie D told me actually just a, a, the last year said, you know, with Dwight and Joe, those guys were like the, so, the thickest thieves. They were like husband and they wife. They were roommates yeah. and everything. And he said, can were- you imagine some of the stuff that went on with, with those two? <laughs> yes. And, and, you, and also Dwight would always wear that big fur coat. <laughs> He could pull that off. He was a good-looking guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Eddie D says they were like husband and wife. I don't know who was the husband, who was the wife. (laughs) (laughs) You guys had a good time. I know you focused so hard on the practice field. And back then it was, you know, Redwood City headquarters, then before moving to Santa Clara. Um, But you focused so much and practiced so hard. Was there a time, though, when you guys had some fun? You know, you you had you partied or We always had fun. We always had fun. But we also, we looked at the big picture. It was all about winning. You know, those tour days in Rockland, uh, just getting yourself ready for the upcoming season uh, and being able to show your best quality of football. That, that, that really was, you know, I think that was the motivating factor for us because we always wanted to have a good performance. And, uh, and you know, it was just something special how we put that together. <laughs> I mean, God. I mean, some of the plays that you guys witnessed, we had done that like over and over again during practice. Repetition was everything, you know, with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think that's the reason why I feel like we were the team of the 80s. Yeah, and, you know, we were. One last question. Is there another athlete, Hall of Famer, from another sport that you're close with and or, or just chat with occasionally? All right. This is, I went to a Riviera and I did this thing with uh, Tiger Woods. And when I picked up golf and I really couldn't hit the golf ball, I was at Stanford and he was an amateur at Stanford. So he walked up to me, he said, hey, look, why don't you come, you know, you know, play some golf with me. And I'm like, you know, kind of Tiger, I can't even hit the ball. You know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to torture you that way. And and, uh, and he walked up to me at, at Riviera, and he said, "You remember when you turned me down?" <laughs> but we're talking about Tiger Woods. <laughs> so you know, like Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, all these guys. You know, it's like, you know, just great guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I had the opportunity also to talk to uh, Pele. And it's it's like uh, some of the people that that I meet, I'm just at awe. You know, Clint Eastwood, all his movies and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sitting like a little kid looking up at this guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make my day. You know, it's like I, I was like I was like, I was like okay. And you know, it, it, it's fun that you know, which I never thought I would get the opportunity to meet people like that because I, I never think of myself as being a celebrity or anything like that. But when I met Clint Eastwood, man, God, that was it. Huh? That, that, that was it. <laughs> uh, that was it. <laughs> 
I, I started the program by saying, just knowing Jerry behind the scenes, he is so genuine. And when he meets with people, it's not one of those, hi, let me just take a photo. Let me shake your hand. and I'm out of here. It's a real genuine love for the community, for the NFL. Uh, and really, uh, it's a true treasure for this country. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Rice. Thank, thank you, guys. I, I'm... Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I guess I can leave. Yeah, let me do my let me do my official duty here. Thank everyone to coming to the Commonwealth Club in Campbell. And with that, the meeting is adjourned. <laughs> Did you see that? If hey, if it was no way I was going to drop this football. <laughs> And if everyone can keep in their seats for just a moment, I have one more thing to wrap up as Jerry says goodbye. Jerry, thank you very much. All right, guys. Thank you. Uh, pretty genuine, right? I mean, there's no BS there. That is straight genuine. Uh, there are signed copies. Jerry has signed copies of his book. You can purchase on the way out. They're in the lobby. I read the book. It's pretty cool. It's a real, it's a great gift. I actually got a couple for some friends and family members. So get that on the way out. And uh, I say we call um, Kyle Shanahan and Jed York and see if we can work out a little deal here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for your time. It's great to spend the evening with you.